Hello, welcome to episode 138 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. Mm. Mm. I'm Stephen Hill. <laughs> He's Renfrey Deadman. Hello, intriguing pause there, Steve. Uh, how are you doing? What can they mean by the alternative <laughs> music podcast? I wonder. <laughs> what could it be? I wonder what they can mean. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing new music from Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Dune, Hierarchy, and Bruit. Not a star-studded lineup of bands. I I admit that, but a very, very strong week indeed, I think. I, it, it, it's, Spoiler it's, alert. It's an, it's a week of Nirvana for me, not the band. Uh uh or Valhalla, if that if that's your preference. Um I'm the hairier type, so Valhalla is quite a nice thing. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. It's very good for me. Mm. You're right. Anyway, you, you want to talk about, I think last week I told everyone to go and watch a Woody Allen documentary, which you've gone and watched. And now you're kind of annoyed at me for watching it. <laughs> no, I'm not annoyed at you. Uh, do I want to talk about it? Um, uh, it's very, it's Probably very, uh, no, <laughs> uh, no. As someone who is a fan of his work, it is very distressing and not very nice to see. I th- I will say one thing. I, I, I do... This is not me trying to deny that any of those things happened because I kind of think they did. Um, but uh, I think the documentary is very, like, it sets out to just, like, totally, and like, it doesn't go, okay, let's try and get everyone's opinion here. It's kind of like, we're on the Pharaoh's side and let and this is going to be a... Well, he know. refused to take part in it, didn't he? He did, but there's also an uh, so, quite you know. there's quite a few details that the documentary omits uh, in order to make their case much more compelling. I will say mm. there's a Guardian uh, article about it, which I read immediately after finishing it, which is very very interesting. Doesn't mean that the documentary is not accurate or correct. Uh, it doesn't mean it is either. But uh, but there are some things that it's like hmm, if you had included that information that might have uh weakened your case somewhat but it was very it was very interesting and compelling and, and incredibly depressing at the same time we've spent too long on this already haven't we? i know yeah, yeah yeah no no <laughs> I, 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 we really have do you want to know something i know this is going to be a really long intro if i do this but something that is more exciting mm-hmm. i've had my first vaccination steve uh yeah yeah you said how come uh, you, you're like six years younger than me and I haven't had anything. I haven't even been told about mine. What the fuck? First of all, I'm five years younger than you. Second of all, I'm a key worker. Third of all, I'm a ace. key worker? Well, I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not at all. You're not a key worker. I'm, com- I'm completely bemused as to why I've been given it, but I'm not going to say no, am I? I'm not going to be like, no. I, I- I am so down on myself and I'm such a have a, such a hard luck narrative that I'm right myself that I don't think I'm going to get it. I think six year old babies will be getting it. They're not babies when they get six, are they? But I think they will go, not you, you're not having it. That, you can't go out. That was like small again. capitals. That was another yeah, small capitals that you just did right there. <laughs> um, well, good. I'm glad you're feeling all right, though, because you were feeling a bit under the weather weren't you on the arm sore arm no, <laughs> under the weather on the arm no you, you've already you've already blown it up out of all proportions when you get an injection it you know for a day or two afterwards it feels like you've been punched in the arm just because you've had a needle in your muscle 
and that's I've a had alien any, thing. I know what an injection is. Don't talk to patronize me like I've never had a knee. I'm just I'm before. just mansplaining what uh, what <laughs> having an injection is like. But um, so that's all it was. I didn't have any uh, side effects a bar okay. that. But uh, no, I'm fine. It's still a little bit tender, and it has been five or mm. six days since I had it. So I'm a bit like, uh -uh. but it's fine. Mm. It's fine. Get get I think I can, get vaccinated. I can, I can see Bill Gates peering over Renfrew's shoulder in the background. Uh, as now he's now you we got him we got him we know where you are you're just a walking advert for microsoft now um anyway uh that's really good and speaking of small i mean it's i was gonna say we, we're not talking about it but british summertime cancelled this week or mm. postponed so no pearl jam for you or me no duran duran for me or you presumably you weren't going to go to that but <laughs> bit of a shame that's a bit of a bummer we're trying to obviously we're going to we keep our eye on what is getting moved and cancelled and postponed and confirmed and blah 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 blah. but we don't want to talk about it every week but yeah yeah, yeah. i hope uh, again i hope i'm alive in 2022 <laughs> you know what when it was announced um Whilst, whilst obviously it's disappointing at the same time, I was like, well, you know what? I do think that is probably the right thing to do. So, you know. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a fine margin, I think. So, you know, it was sort of yeah. was not that surprising. Mm. Um, anyway, speaking of small capitals, <laughs> cheers to Signature Brew, who are our good friends, who are very good friends of the podcast. Always like to, we've left it a little bit later than usual for the mm. Signature Brew chat this week, isn't it? They're kind of coming in late, but I'm going to storm on through. Apologies, Signature guys. Brew, as you probably will know at this point, if you're a long time listener to the podcast, have been fantastic with us. And they give, and, and, and with you as well, go over to signaturebrew.co.uk and order any of their delicious beers. They've done beers with many different musical artists over the years. I name them every week. And Shikari, Sports Team, Mastodon, Mogwai, Jamie Lenman, um the darkness and more he, and he is doing it off the top of his head listeners now at this point um it's very impressive yeah, I am, yeah you're not yeah, even yeah. looking at I, your notes it's brilliant i'm not i'm, I'm staring you right in the in, right in the <laughs> eye yeah he's, he's <laughs> yeah. doing this entire thing looking me straight in the eye <laughs> uh yeah in east london um it's celebrating their 10th anniversary as a company this year um hopefully they will be opening back up it's only a couple of weeks i think you'll be able to go and sit outside the signature brew brewery and have a couple of lovely pulled pints from them from, that'd be nice wouldn't it from the 12th of april i believe oh, uh in sure. yeah in your diary sit, out, sit outside sit outside the brewery in walthamstow and let's not forget they did just win small brewery of the year as well which is fantastic news congratulations to them lovely stuff go and buy their beer please yeah it's good. As I said, signaturebrew.co.uk. Get 10% off all of their products when you put the code RIOTACT in the checkout. So I'd say you should in small capitals. You should definitely do that. All right. Um, also on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash RIOTACT podcast. Um, you can sign up for all of our exclusive content. As we speak today, we just had a new Rioters review go up. For anyone who wants to sign up for any amount of money, you can suggest an album. Three people suggest... Was it three or two? Uh, two people. Two. Two people suggested the um, debut full-length album by Surrey Math Rock Emo Quintet. Meet me in St. Louis. Are they Quintet or Quartet? Quintet, wasn't it? Oh, shitting hell. I can't remember. Let's go with well, Quintet. Let's go with Quintet. Um, and uh, yeah, it's called Variations on Swing, that record. We mm. did that. We chatted about that for a little bit. Yeah. Bit of a cult record. We talked about what it was like 
to or, or what kind of makes a cult record. I thought it was quite an interesting little conversation about a band that mm. I didn't know that much about, to be honest, Renfrew. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, very, very interesting band, Mimi and St. Louis. If you're a fan of, say, early Piffy Clyro or Foles or anything like that, definitely worth checking out. A little bit different, a little bit more um, extreme, but yeah, very, very, very cool. We also the other day recorded the next writers review that we're going to be doing, which will come out next week on Earthling by David Bowie. Sorry, how many syllables does the word we have? What you, you, uh, see, you seem to say uh, we unless unless <laughs> I think I coughed up a little bit of coffee, <clears throat> and I was hoping I was going to get away with it, but I obviously we <laughs> obviously didn't. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we did Earthling by David Bowie, which is the first time we've chatted about David Bowie properly, um, apart from a time that got when Jamila from Ithaca came on and we just cut it out um, <laughs> because she was talking shit. Um, and, uh, <laughs> she was, she said something that could have got us in serious trouble as why well. we cut it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, yeah, we've uh, so that's if you sign up for any amount, suggest a record put it on the list and hopefully at some point we'll get to it but the next couple of writers reviews if you want to sign up for the five pound patreon classic albums um level tier then we would very much appreciate that we have a lot of classic albums that we have on there that are probably our best podcasts i would say hello um uh, we've got the last one being the specials which was my pick a couple of weeks ago you will be getting double gojira so I think Le Fon Sauvage mm. is going to go out free for everyone. Yeah. And Magma is going to be on the Patreon page. And that should be should be from Monday. I'm saying should be because I know both Renfrew and I <laughs> have been pretty busy. <laughs> We've not recorded it yet. We haven't actually recorded it yet. So <laughs> we're going to say theoretically it should be there on Monday. Yeah, let's go with it that. It should be there on Monday. <laughs> I mean, look, I've listened to both those albums multiple times in my life. So I don't think it should be too hard to, to put no. that. I mean, at least we're not doing like fucking, you know, a, a Beatles album again or something. Like no, that. I mean, exactly. It should be fairly straightforward comparatively. But yeah, that's going to be over on our Patreon page on Monday. And you get a little double for free because we like Gojira so much. Do you want to, I know this has been quite a long intro, but do you want to tell people what we've been busy with, Steve? We've been busy and you might have seen this because on April Fool's Day, which is when we, uh, we kind of... Uh, uh, recording we decided to relaunch and from monday you should have what is it 29 episodes of broken records the podcast in its own format its own thing mm -hmm. we are launching broken records as a singular entity we had a few people who were like the podcast is really long some people were like i really like broken records it's great and some people who were like i'm not that fussed by broken records so we've sort of taken it out and as you might have seen over the last few months, the podcast has become significantly more bite-sized due to that, the weekly Riot Act show, because it's essentially just us chatting a bit and then re reviewing four albums. And that's what we're going to kind of do from now on. If you miss Broken Records and you loved it and you liked it and you wished it had come back, you can still listen to it. It will be coming out every Monday and everything that we've done so far on Broken Records is going to go up as its own podcast. So go and find it and follow it and subscribe and all that kind of stuff and maybe leave a review if you like there'll be 29 episodes from monday including everything that you've heard if you're a long time listener plus uh the first brand new one that we did which is on the sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band movie soundtrack featuring some fucking nutty people on there which was a really really great one to start with i think because that is 
all fucking I will, hilarious. Yeah, all I will say about that is it's probably the most you have laughed since Captain Rock and the Rock Boys, I would say. Mm. So there's a nice little teaser for you, for everyone. Yeah. 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 So we, sh- at this point, should be sharing Broken Records with you as its own sort of separate entity. And, you know, if you miss Broken Records and you love it, it's it's back from Monday yes. and every Monday. Happy yes. days. All right, cool. Um, news. <laughs> Last week we did we did Serge Tankian's uh, solo EP, didn't we? And we talked about potential um, system of, you know, again, we got on that. I mean, it's kind of boring at this point. Oh, system of a down going to make a new album. I wonder what system of a down would sound like if they made a new... Blah, 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 blah. We're not going to get a new System of a Down album. Darren from System of a Down, um, as according to the enemy, has voiced his opinions on gun ownership after sharing a video of a drum cover of BYOB, which used firearms as percussion. Darren actually said, <laughs> another great performance from Gun Drummer. Gun Drummer is someone who makes songs by sort of using firearms as percussion, essentially. Guns are essential tools for self-defense. And six exclamation marks um that that means he really means it he really loves it he's like defund gun hashtag he put hashtag second amendment hashtag defund gun control uh hashtag darren malakian hashtag scars on broadway hashtag system of a down yeah all that stuff i mean i'm glad you read all those hashtags yeah i know yeah great (laughs) that was necessary no, I know. Um, I really like. Am not surprised that there's not a new System of a Down album. And I mean, imagine Serge like coming in. <laughs> First, you got John Dormain going. I fucking love Trump. Now you got Darren going. Yeah, just shoot everyone. I mean, all you need next for Serge is for Shavo to come in with a 14 year old girlfriend and go. This is fine. Then you've got the <laughs> like a poor cunt. Like, oh god. I mean, <laughs> I just. <laughs> It just gets less and less surprising, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Serge, I noticed in the new issue of Metal Hammer, um, there was a pull quote which basically said, uh, show me a band with no um, conflict in it and I'll show you a, a, a boring band or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. You know, so... He's got um, a point. He's got a point there, I think, as well. But yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, at this point... <sighs> at, <sighs> Uh, it, Darren Malakian is allowed his opinion on that subject. It's probably not one. It's diff- It's one that's difficult to share, particularly outside of the US. But then I know that people in the US have a insane relationship with guns, don't they? Because, you know, it's the mm. old, it's the constitution and all that rubbish, which for some reason is really, really important. Uh, yeah. Even though it's a document which is hundreds and hundreds of years old and should probably be uh, updated. Second Amendment. Can't change an amendment, even though the word <laughs> amendment means to change something. Um, <laughs> I mean, sorry, weird, sorry, America, but w- what a dumb fucking logic. You know, it's crazy. I say not all Americans think that, but yeah, absolutely no. insane. So there you go. I mean, just just to, obviously we're we're being a little bit like a bit like we were with Roger Daltrey last week. We've been a little bit tongue in cheek about it. Um, Serge actually told Consequence of Sound, we're very good friends. We're family. And actually, this is talking about John. He said he's a drummer in my band. We've talked about many, many different things, including political views. 
When you don't agree with someone after a while about a certain topic, look, it doesn't mean that we don't agree about other stuff. We agree about a lot about Armenian stuff, for example, a lot about family stuff, a lot of other things, a lot of personal things. But when it comes to American politics, we happen to be on the polar opposite ends of it. And we're both very passionate and vehement about our views, which is fine. I actually think that's uh, quite a, uh, a mature, reasonable and totally acceptable statement to make if i'm being if i'm being complete i'm being totally on i'm like not joking at all i think that's fine yeah of course it is i mean in, in fact it's actually incredibly mature to be like well you think that i think this but let's get together and create music anyway oh no wait a minute they've not been doing that uh but they <laughs> yeah, but they true. but they did for a long time and you know this that it's quite it's an incredibly modern idea that if someone disagrees with you on something you like cut them out of your life and i'm being ever so slightly facetious but then sometimes when you uh read things on social media you do think mm. that that's how people think um and well, i think that probably is how a lot of people think i mean i don't really know i think it depends how kind of strong the thing is i think somebody like john dolmayan going I voted for Trump. I mean, there's a lot of things you would go, really? Are you fucking... That's the guy that you like? But then you got to actually talk to him. To I don't know what his sort of pro reasons for doing that is. Mm. I'm I've... not just going to go, oh, you did it, so I'm not even going to find out why or listen to your opinion about it. Anyway, we've spoken about uh, this. Yeah, I've, always, I've always, always maintained, like, if someone was like, oh, I voted for Trump, rather than just um, shutting them, blocking them, taking them out of my life i would want to ask them questions and go oh why did you do that and not in a shitty mm. dicky way i'd like to you know find out their views and their opinions and i think that's the way that you make progress in the world uh not you know if you just block people you're just or whatever you're just ignoring the problem yeah people don't really care about anything um <laughs> they <laughs> steve's thought for the week uh, they don't uh, on, like, i see you know you see people saying things on twitter and all that i mean i don't actually i, I haven't announced it like some people do but i haven't actually I, I very very rarely go on twitter anymore because i just find it or instagram or, or, any, or any social media because i just find it a bit it's got like it's been it's ruined in it they've ruined it people have ruined the thing could just used to be like cats and people talk about music and stuff and i just think it's now everything's really serious not even don't think not even cats are safe after that stupid fucking film fuck me yeah judy dench she should be ashamed of yourself even though i think uh, judy dench is great bad i'm not seeing it but but bad film anyway i feel like we've gone slightly off topic <laughs> there um hit song talk about woody allen again no <laughs> um hit songwriters asked pop stars to stop taking credit for songs they didn't write is the headline on the BBC website. Um, an open letter has been written to songwriters behind songs by the big hits by the likes of Dua Lipa and Ariana Grande have said that a growing number of artists were demanding a share of publishing royalties, um, even if they had contributed nothing to the song. It's funny, that, isn't it? The idea of contributing nothing to a song that you sing on. You've contributed something to the song, surely. Uh, uh yeah but they're talking about in the writing of the song in the creation of the song aren't they i mean i suppose hmm. there's a performance aspect to it but yeah Come it's on. quite an interesting article this said so these artists were going to collect revenue from touring merchandise and brand partnerships but songwriters only have their publishing revenue as a means of income 
um, adding that composers are often subjected to bully tactics and threats by artists and executives who want to take their share of the songwriting royalties. Uh, it's a new ad advocacy group called The Pact. Um, the likes of Justin Tranter, Emily Warren, Ross Golan, Amy, Amy Allen, Savan Cochetta, Joel Little and Victoria Monet, who have written for the likes of Lady Gaga, Britney Spears, One Direction, Michael Bublé, Lord, Shawn Mendes and Selena Gomez um, have all signed this. And um, although the letter itself hasn't been directed at any specific artists, mm. so all those people that I've just mentioned, that isn't me going, you bastards, you've been bullying songwriters. Yeah, Inclu um, including Dua Lipa, you mentioned Dua Lipa and someone yeah, else. Yeah, Dua Lipa and Ariana Grande, yeah. Ahead of it, yeah. yeah. Uh, they also said, over time, this practice of artists taking publishing has become normalised and until now, there's been no real unity within the songwriting community to fight back. This is why we've decided to join together in support of each other and make a change. Um, this is an interesting article, Renfrey, that we just sort of found literally before we started recording but we've thrown it in not really because i mean the likes of ariana grande michael bublé in one direction are not the sort of artists that we usually cover on this show but we do cover a fair few people who decide to puff out their um i mean we beck's the one that, I, that always pops into my head when i think about the amount of producers and, and stuff that worked on that last beck album and how compromised it was i think we were talking about oh we were talking about something which hasn't come out yet about a lot of producing and songwriting credits mm -hmm. that sort of ruined a record recently um but yeah what's your sort of take on that as an idea well i'm not massively surprised um but then at the same time i mean some people might might kind of shrug their shoulders and go well, why does this matter and really it comes down to sort of publishing and rights and like how they manage how as as a songwriter getting a credit on a song you get to take you get to have a lot more power than you probably should have really um and um yeah it's quite i think it's good to see um that this letter has this letter has come out and is making people aware that you know there there are <laughs> there are pop stars who haven't contributed anything to the um to the uh to the actual writing of their songs uh, because it is like it's important for kind of reasons behind the scenes i guess in terms of like how much money you get and how much credit you get and all that sort of thing um but yeah i mean i wasn't insanely surprised by it i think in the pop world, there's been a bit of a move towards, uh, well, a move away, I should say, from that kind of manufactured aspect. I mean, certainly compared to when we were growing up, everything was like very clearly manufactured, you know. And I think almost um, programs like X Factor exposing that process have probably made people really bored of that kind of way of making pop music. So I don't know, Billie Eilish, for example, um, one of the things that is constantly celebrated when she's talked about is how like she wrote the songs herself alongside her brother and like she's very hands-on yeah. and all that kind of thing. And that is definitely um, a very fashionable thing in pop music now. And I, I think overall a good thing. Generally, I think um, music is far more interesting when it comes from the person who is performing it and i think that is the case 99 percent of the time so mm. yeah um i think undoubtedly i mean it's it's quite a it's sort of a, it's a weird one really isn't it because i think certainly like i was gonna say our oh, pop music's so much more interesting now than it was when we were i mean it probably isn't more than we were growing up i mean i watched a, a really really great documentary the other day um 
uh, about the Blitz Kids, not the the band. Why would they make a documentary about some band? Oh, we were a band called Blitz Kids. No one gave a fuck about us. We split up. The end. Um, uh, that would be that documentary. But Blitz Kids is in the the people that went to the Blitz Club in the early eighties, who um, sort of morphed into like the new romantic scene. Hmm. And when you see like when when I, you know when I was growing up and people talked about Spandau Ballet, Duran Duran, um, Culture Club, hmm. Visage, Flock of Seagulls, stuff like that, they talked about them like they were, you know that. I remember people thinking about those bands in the same way as you would have. Like my dad spoke about that, like the same way as you know you and I would have spoken about NSYNC or whatever, or the Backstreet Boys. But they weren't that, you know. Like Spandau Ballet were were a band, and they got together and wrote their own songs yeah. like a band. They just happened to write really, really what ended up being very mainstream, probably quite. Uh, I don't want to say asinine or, or dull or, you know, quite but very, very poppy. You know, what people would say is kind of yuppie pop music. Mm. You know, I, I, I quite like Spandau Ballet. I didn't use Duran Duran because I'm not going to slag off Duran Duran ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but like they ended up making that type of music. And, um, and the sort of the shift, I guess, from the, it, it was really, for me, you mentioned X Factor, I would say the kind of Stock Aitken and Waterman hold that they had on the charts from i mean even bros like bros mm. were a band you know bros yeah luke was a drummer and they wrote their own songs and yeah. you know not very good songs admittedly but um <laughs> you know um but that's my cnn so uh and uh, <laughs> um but it was really a, sort of the stock aiken and waterman model of we sit and we create songs and we just get somebody in to sing that song which then became you know, the sort of industry standard throughout the 90s and into the, the noughties. It is good to see that kind of going away. Oh, definitely, more. definitely. Like but then but then this letter kind of presents the case that um, it might not be going away as much as we thought it had. I yeah, mean, I think at yeah, the end yeah. of the day, as I said, some people might just shrug their shoulders at this news, but I think at the end of the day, um, what's being exposed here is that people are lying. And when people are lying, yeah, I think the um, smart thing to do is ask yourself, why are they lying? What is it in it for them to lie about it? Um, and therefore, you know, I mean, it can be ignored, but I don't think it should be because whenever people are lying, there's usually um, a vindictive bad reason for yeah, it. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because, I mean, I was about to say, like my kind of initial point was that I don't think oh, finally pop music is being made by the people that are singing it, right? Because I think that used to be a thing anyway. Yeah, And it yeah, wasn't yeah. really until the late 80s going through to the 90s and then maybe the mid-noughties up until kind of, I guess, Lady Gaga being someone where you were like, she's definitely mm -hmm. created her whole own yep, thing yep, yep. and that feels like that's her thing, yep. right? I mean, even someone who I like a lot, like Katy Perry, you know, Katy Perry was taken from the kind of Christian country background and someone went if you do this and do that we can get you on warp tour and then we can turn you into this and yada 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 um but yeah i mean i have thought 
there's definitely pop music coming out now which i feel has a far more personal touch i mean billy eilish is a very good example of that mm. um rena sawayama feels like a or mm. poppy even poppy who you know again i feel like mm. it's weird that poppy album because i didn't feel like i particularly liked it but i feel like as time has gone on i i, I feel like i maybe admire it more and more as the time has gone on because it she at least seemed to have even though i don't think the songs are great i think she at least had a very strong idea of what she wanted to do and what she wanted to create and i think that's kind of like you say that's an important thing within within pop music i don't actually hear that in a lot of stuff like somebody like you know mabel or ariana grande i'm not saying those songs are bad particularly but i am like or dua lipa like i don't really hear a real sense of that person and that does remind me of that that i mean that's the thing with a lot of those that period of you know there was great pop songs being made throughout the 90s and into the sort of early 2000s but there wasn't always a very strong sense of the actual artists themselves and it's probably because there wasn't there, a str- there couldn't be there wasn't a strong yeah. sense of identity is what you're trying to say it's, yeah. it's all about identity yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it it all comes back to yeah. identity i mean there were a few bands back when we were growing up who had a bit of a distinct um uh sort of identity to them i suppose five had a slightly Mm -hmm. harder edge than the contemporaries i think spice girls had an identity i think it's fair to say um he's 17 (laughs) okay um and uh all right all right um what with the fact that they were from walthamstow (laughs) it's not just it is it they were like the bad they were a kind of proto version of five i think yeah uh yeah i guess yeah yeah like the british sort of um chavvy version of five <laughs> five are uh, british oh f- quite chavvy fuck five are british aren't they yeah there we go yeah. who was i thinking of i'm mixing up five and the nsync i mean here we go i'm mixing them up already because <laughs> they have such a poor sense of identity um yeah. but anyway yes and when you when when the writing comes from the performer you're 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 probably going to have more of a sense of identity than than if it comes from a a community of songwriters you know I, I think the thing is with this as well is this is not like, um, say, I'm trying to think of a time where somebody was brought in to help write and create something. Um, say, for example, uh, Trent Reznor. Hello. Um, getting involved in... Oh, we said we weren't going to talk about this gentleman, but getting involved with Antichrist Superstar, right? Mm-hmm. That felt that kind of writing process. Trent Reznor wasn't doing that as a job, particularly. I mean, obviously it was part of his job, but I don't feel that was a kind of, that was a, a creative decision on his part to, to do that. I think if you're writing for, if, if you're working for a studio, you know, if you're working for a record label, if you're working for a, a kind of stable of people who just go, your job is just to write a song and then, fish it out to people like Mm. send it out to as many Mm. people as you possibly can you're not really going to be invested in showing anything of yourself you're not it's not really it's not really a kind of it's not a creative process in in the same way i mean to be honest like people probably going you two old fucking misery bastards i don't think there's (laughs) anything necessarily wrong with that someone just going what do i think people will what what can i i'm good at writing songs and i have a good idea and ear for a melody what can i write as a song that i think will make lots of people have a nice time when it comes on in a club no matter who it gets given to there's nothing wrong with that why are people lying about it then 
is is the only question I would ask. I mean, obviously, it's different individuals. Like some individuals are just not going to care, and some people are. But like, there there obviously are people who do care about it because there are pop stars who are lying about it and saying that they. No, but it's not the pop stars that I'm talking about. It's not the, well, or the, the pop stars are lying about because they want to make money from they want to make revenue from doing it. Mm. What I'm saying is the people who are writing those songs for them, they're not writing those songs. I don't think to express how they feel artistically you know that they're not writing skeleton tree are they no they're not gonna no. go i'm just gonna write skeleton tree for myself and then i'm gonna go this can either go to little mix or sean mendez or mm. justin bieber or do you know what i mean it's like it, they're, they're not gonna do that uh, yeah so i think in, i something... think in most cases that's probably true yeah i mean i'm sure there are a few exceptions but yeah in most cases that's yeah maybe true. but i mean when you know it's stuff like when people can oh shout out to my ex by little mix oh it's aimed at zane and it's like mm. no that mm. song was probably about 10 years old yeah exactly and it's been shopped around and changed and but it's not about it's not about him. No. It just happens. They they probably gave it to them because people would go, "Ooh, it's about him." Well, exactly. But um, yeah. but yeah, but I, so I imagine if you're the person who's written that song, you probably would be like, "Well, I'm not doing this for some kind of to 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 sate myself artistically. I'm doing it because I want to get paid." And for them to have their kind of their their royalties diminished, I can understand why that would be a problem. Yeah. The flip side to that is though Renfrey is that they're only going to get royalties for it or from it if it is given to somebody with some kind of star quality that turns it into a hit and on that level should those people be um should those people be uh kind of financially rewarded for basically turning your your skeleton of a song into the flesh of an actual song I maybe I don't know. I mean, maybe they should. Mm. Mm. Um, yes, but they just shouldn't be given a songwriting credit, should they? You know, it, it like because because there are um, within the music industry, they are there are things that are wound uh, are wound up in having a songwriting credit, which give you certain rights, which um, are there to protect people who create something from nothing. I mean, there, there are some people who just simply cannot do that. And it is an art and it is a skill. Um, and it's something that should be celebrated and rewarded. And I think that's one of the positive aspects of the music industry. So if people are uh, lying about it, lying about that to try and get more money, that's just massively greedy and uh, rubbish. Would be my... I mean, yeah, it's hard to argue that. But then I, I, I guess my... Yeah, my kind of if if I was the case for the defense, mm -hmm. I would go. Well, the thing is, is you wouldn't have anything without without Ariana Grande taking that song that you wrote. You'd have fuck all because no one wants to hear you sing it. No one cares about you singing it. No one cares about you performing it. It's her and her interpretation of it which gives it life. And in that case, does that make it a songwriting credit? I mean, you could go. You know, does that make does that make Robert De Niro? a co-writer of taxi driver no not really yeah, just because he improvised a couple of lines you're in the also, film or whatever you're also making a bit of an assumption there i mean desmond child was like did, did some amazing performances of uh, some of his own songs so in some cases i'm sure that is correct um but uh in some cases maybe not you know um uh Danny Elfman has written loads of songs for different people and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Danny Elfman was in Oingo Boingo, you know, he was a pop <clears> star <throat> yeah, before true. he ever did any of that stuff. Um, and look, you know, that sounds like a really, like I'm being a, like a shitty or whatever. But what I'm saying is, is that 
if you if you're writing a song which you want to make it a big kind of superstar pop hit you're gonna get it's it's probably beneficial for you if you want it to be heard as by as many people as possible and for it to become as big as it can it's it's more beneficial for you to hand that song over to you know um insert massive pop star here Mm -hmm. rather than it is for you to go well i think i'm going to release this on my own label and see how i get on with it oh yeah 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 yeah. of course of course but yeah interesting though isn't it i mean it is it's i suppose it's one of those things that you know i guess we don't think about that much because it's only when we bring up somebody who has decided to make quite a modern shiny pop influence record that this sort of thing I mean, the people that we have done that for, I can't imagine Hayley Williams didn't. Or, and we know like Taylor Swift would yeah. have written. Like, those are the, the people that we tend to cover that are usually people who... And that's why it was so surprising with Beck, is that usually mm. the people that we cover, that they do bring a lot of people into the fold or do a lot of kind of co-songwriting, whatever. Mm. Mm. Um, it tends to be just a kind of a bit of an, an oddity rather than a... Uh, you know the, the this exception rather than the rule mm. i think in pop music it's the rule rather than the exception yeah i agree people. and i and i do think i mean again just to reiterate i do think that the more songwriters that are brought into something the more the identity appears to be stripped away which um, creates a big sonic stew of homogenous dull pop music which is a real shame mm. so i think it's a really good thing that like like whilst i you know i'm not a massive fan of Billie eilish i do think that she at least has a really good approach to it and things like that mm. and i mean gaga is fantastic um you know yeah. like um so yeah no i thought it was an interesting thing to bring up even though it isn't strictly about the music that we cover it's still an interesting kind of like oh, um mm. uh, and the fact that the this letter has come out um is is something that should be uh it it should be talked about i think yeah i think people should definitely be aware of and i think people should be credited and should be spoken about like when people like you go on twitter and this whole kind of hashtag free britney thing see people talking about britney spears like she's bob dylan or something it's like <laughs> like look you know I, britney spears has got a fucking great back catalog of pop bangers mm. but britney spears is far from an artist in a true sense of the word she's a I mean? she's a performer Britney, yeah, Britney yeah. Spears she's is a, a fucking great performer yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and I don't, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that when people go like, Britney's an iconic artist and you know she's, no. be, she's, she's better than the Velvet Underground it's like well how, fucking hell come on um, an example of something that's objectively wrong exactly right, it is yeah. yeah well done um, anyway Darren loves guns um, <laughs> in case you'd forgotten um, that felt like a long time ago it did didn't it let's do some reviews and um, speaking of homogenised pop music <laughs> Godspeed you black empire empire emperor um, uh, fuck knows how you say this album G underscore big G underscore small D's P at state end what kind of fucking name is that it is a uh, uh, it's it's a troll name i feel like i mean it feels like it's meant to be god's p at state's end at state's end is in capital so maybe that's meant to be shouted so it'd be like god's p at state's end um i have i have no idea um how it's meant to be said but yes this is the seventh full-length album from the canadian post-rock party band um and uh (laughs) 
Yeah, um, the follow-up to Luciferian Towers mm. from 2017. Mm. Uh, party band, you <laughs> mad shit. The um, ultimate party band. God the Stevie ultimate Black party Emperor. band, yes. Um, <laughs> right up there with Young Gods and uh, <laughs> mid-period Scott Walker. Yeah, fucking absolute. Never go round Renfrew's house for a party. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bring your own noose to Renfrew's house party. Um this record uh, is probably the first time I've listened to Godspeed You Black Emperor in fucking years. I think I've said a few times before how exciting it was to pick up old copies of the NME around kind of 2000, 2001, before they really heavily jumped on the Strokes bandwagon and that mm-hmm. became the thing. There was a tiny little beautiful period in the NME's history where they were covering the best music. Mogwai, Godspeed You Black Emperor, um, At The Drive-In, Queens of the Stone Age, Amen. They loved all those bands. Mm. They really, mm. really loved all those bands. And uh, Trail of the Dead, like they, they covered that like it was the main thing that they covered. Yeah, and it was very short only and it was very, very short and it was incredibly sweet. And then they got on the strokes and the strokes and everything that sounded like the strokes. And um, I got boring. no real, yeah, I got no beef for the strokes, but there's, they weren't as good as any of those bands I've just mentioned. And I mean, the stuff that came in the aftermath of it, that's not what we're here to talk about. But certainly it was 2000 when Lift Your Skinny Fists like antennas to heaven that is what it's called yeah it? yeah yeah it's the first time i've got that album title right in a long time because i normally call it skinny hands are lifted to heaven with your <laughs> antennas or something like that um uh, and I, I remember get I, I should say just to show how pretentious i am lift your skinny fists like antennas to heaven was a name that i proposed for this podcast because <laughs> yeah, i'm a I twat <laughs> very 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 quickly um i don't even remember you doing that i mean yeah, that would have been can you imagine you wanted can to you call imagine? it the stephen hill show let's move know, on but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um anyway look that album i remember getting that album because i was banging to everything that the enemy was running at the time and being a little bit terrified of it for yeah. probably a good five years um I think it's a brilliant record. And mm. I have to say that and oh, fucking Yanny QQ Y. Yank Y U X O. Yeah. And uh, don't make it easy for you. Those two albums. <laughs> Yank Y U X O is brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's yeah one those two albums, eventually, I was like, yeah, this is, they, they are, they are fucking great. Yeah. But they're fucking hard work. And then I suppose there's not been anything by Godspeed. Then there was just sort of nothing for a long time. Oh, they it? went on hiatus um, for yeah. a, 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 about a decade um, mm. and then came back with uh, Hallelujah, Don't Bend, Ascend, uh, mm. and blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, yes, look, I have to say, despite my reputation for loving all post rock unreservedly without question, um, it took me flipping years to get into godspeed your black emperor um actually scrub that it took decades um it was actually almost 20 years between me first hearing the band which would have been lift your skinny fists uh yeah. around 2000 2001 it's probably 2001 that i heard it um and b- me being able to appreciate them enough to actually call myself a fan um what pushed me over the edge 
was seeing them perform two nights in, in a row at Roadburn Festival in 2018, which I think I reviewed for this podcast. I can't remember. Um, the first night they played what was their new album at the time, Luciferian Towers in Full, uh, as well as the 1990 e 1999 EP Slow Right for New Zero Canada. And I, it was the, it was just one of those moments where I went, oh, finally, I get this we discussed before about um swans and how it took me ages to get swans and it was actually swans last record leaving meaning that provided the route in for me um the route for godspeed was me for me was watching them live at roadburn and and it all then suddenly clicked and made sense um but it must be said i mean there are undoubtedly a lot of very patience testing uh vibes associated with this band um mm -hmm. and they can be i mean a lot of the cliches that people talk about when they talk you know when they're saying things against post-rock um could be applied to godspeed you black emperor um yeah however i'm gonna make an interesting case here before we get super into this i think mm -hmm. uh, godspeed you blanket <laughs> I think Godspeed You Black Emperor are a punk band, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, <laughs> and here's okay. I, I'm being ever so slightly <laughs> I'm being slightly facetious saying that. Yeah, that first song, that 20 minute one, I was like, God, this, is this the Ramones? <laughs> is this circle jerks? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I'm being I, I put that in a slightly facetious way. What I really mean is I actually think they have a very punk rock approach and a very punk mm -hmm. rock aesthetic. Uh, mm. for and John Feldman produces them as well. <laughs> <laughs> hear me out, Steve. Hear me out. For example, they released a statement alongside this record, which I'm going to read in full. It said, we wrote it on the road mostly when that was still a place and then recorded it in masks later, distanced at the beginning of the second wave. It was autumn and the falling sun was impossibly fat and orange. We tried to summon a brighter reckoning there, bent, bent beneath varied states of discomfort, worry and wonderment. We fired up the shortwave radios again for the first time in a long time and found that many things had changed. The apocalypse pastors were still there, but yelling end times now where they once yelled end times soon. And the transmission detritus of automated militaries takes up more bandwidth now so that a lot of frequencies are just pulses of rising white static. Digital codexes announcing the status of various watching and killing machines. And the ham radio dads talk to each other all night long about their dying wives and what they ate for lunch and what they'll do with their guns when Antifa comes. This record is all about all of us waiting for the end. All current forms of governance have failed. This record is about all of us waiting for the beginning and is informed by the following demands. Empty the prisons, take power from the police and give it to the neighbourhoods that they terrorise, end the forever wars and all other forms of imperialism, tax the rich until they're impoverished. Much love to all the other lost and lo lo lovely ones. These are death times and our side has to win. We'll see you on the road once the numbers fall. That sounds like something that refused might release or something like that other things that give them a punk aesthetic in their 25 year career as a band they've only ever issued two official band photographs one in 1997 and the other in 2010 which was a recreation of the first they barely ever do interviews the press release says they've done half a dozen 
in their 25 years as a band. Um, and they've never had a website or official social media accounts. Uh, as the press release says, few rock bands in our 21st century have been as steadfast in letting the work speak for itself and maintaining a simple rule about minimising participation in cultures of personality, celebrity, access, commodification and co-optation. They make Fugazi look like Kanye West. Godspeed, you blank emperor. Um, and um, and there is... And they're, you know, I yes, calling them a punk band is insane, obviously. But mm -hmm. they do approach things. I, I think there are a lot of misgivings about, well, post-rock generally, really, but Godspeed particularly. And, and those are kind of elements that people don't really consider or think about when it comes to Godspeed, I think. Um, and... Yes, they have 20 minute long songs. And um, yes, this album is four tracks and 53 odd minutes. Um, but actually, in a lot of what they're doing, it's a far more kind of punk feel and punk aesthetic and punk vibe. And like that statement that they released with the record, I think is fucking great. Like it's beautiful. It's actually saying something. Um, that statement says, in and of itself, says more than most bands' records do. Mm. So. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, to, obviously, what you said was hilarious, uh, but at the same time, <laughs> also true. More the way you said it, really. But yeah, like yeah. to give you to give you some credit, um, when I first heard this band, uh, I mean, I probably didn't really know what post. I don't even know if I mean post rock was a very very sort of early term. The, the terminology post rock was fairly new, fairly new around the time that I was sort of listening to, I guess Godspeed and Mogwai would have been the, ter I mean, certainly Mogwai undoubtedly were the first quote unquote post-rock band that I listened to. Mm. I don't think, I mean, I, I'd, I'd heard, I'd heard Swans and I'd heard some of the post-punk stuff, which became, you know, uh, kind of morphed into or helped create the sound of, um, what post-rock would become later on but certainly Mogwai would have been my introduction to it and seeing Mogwai live and we said it before about how loud Mogwai were the idea of this kind of you know that post-rock is this sort of chin strokey thing it didn't really feel like that when I like it didn't I guess it didn't have that reput reputation at that point because it was such a new genre yeah and mogwai didn't. you know and particularly a new genre to me and when i saw mogwai live they're so loud a young team is an abrasive record mm -hmm. and then so to get godspeed you black emperor and really mogwai probably were i think mogwai and trailer the dead were the only two things that i really had as any kind of reference points for this type of music and because of the stuff that godspeed were getting kind of thrown in with at the time i mean to me i you know i was associating them with stuff like trailer the dead and at the drive-in mm. who are not chin strokey bands at all mm. i don't think mm. and um so when i listened to it i was i i did kind of consider them like an alternative rock band more than like a post-rock band and certainly like a weird or a, like a weird noisy discordant very very challenging post-hardcore or post-punk or you know i guess before po i really knew what post-rock even was i was sort of considering them to be all of those things because you know the stuff that i heard first of all it might have taken you know th those songs are long but when they get loud and they get discordant and noisy 
They're very, very noisy oh, and they're very it. loud and they're very like abrasive. And um and it's yeah, the- so I, I can kind of I can I can definitely I can definitely see that, you know, you, everything comes from somewhere, mm. doesn't it? Mm. Everything is influenced by something which is kind of a, a pre existing version of that. And got to be Black Emperor, whilst on the surface they probably don't have loads in common with you know the clash and black flag they've certainly got enough in common as far as i'm concerned with you know swans or even something like throbbing gristle which i know they're not an industrial band in any way but certainly the amount of noise and the amount of cut stuff that cuts across each other when they get to those when they go into those places um it did remind me of that kind of almost like i mean killing joker a bit was certainly a bit more poppy but certainly the kind of the the monochrome harsh wide vast sounding thing that killing joke could do that Mm. sounds like some sort of apocalypse it's just killing joke do a kind of blade runner apocalypse Mm. and godspeed you black emperor do like the road Mm. style Mm. apocalypse Mm. everything's Mm. burnt everything's burnt to the ground and it's snow and it's death and you know like everybody's making their own campfires and stuff whereas killing joker going we're all controlled by robots and mm, you know we all right, live in yeah. these kind of militaristic massive breeze block concrete landscape um and it's just a sort of different way to look at a kind of dystopian future almost in a little bit and that's what i always can thought about when i thought about godspeed you black emperor and it's only really been i guess some kind of um pavlovian response to people going post-rock 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 godspeed you black emperor post-rock that i've even really kind of considered them or thought of them as a post-rock band as the years have progressed and because i don't really listen to them very much i mean i very 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 rarely go back and listen to godspeed you black i genuinely can't remember the last time i put one of their albums on i've not heard any of the the post-reformation albums at all Mm -hmm. never even listened to any of them Mm -hmm. um i'd kind of almost forgotten what they sounded like Mm -hmm. okay um so yeah, I don't know if that was even relevant to what you were talking about. No, 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 totally. No, no, no. Of- I, I think I think it's um I I think it says a lot that um ninety percent of post rock bands who are given the post rock tag try to distance themselves from it as quickly as possible. And the large part large part of the reason for that is because how do you define post rock? I mean, it's it's um we tried doing it before. If you go to this Sigur Rose special, um. I tied myself up in knots trying to actually explain what it is. It's actually incredibly mm. difficult. And there is a certain subsection of post-rock where um, bands do sound very samey, but I think those bands have kind of given the whole genre a really bad name because, I mean, whether you want to call Godspeed a post-rock band or not, and my guess is they wouldn't want to be referred to as a post-rock band, um, but whether you call them a post-rock band or not, when we're talking about identity, as we have done quite a bit already, um godspeed sound like no one else i Mm. think that's fair to say would you agree with that uh i think yeah i think there's yeah i think there's probably people that have come in the aftermath of them that have tried to i mean i'd always i'd I'd almost say something like funeral by arcade fire is like a, a, a pop sensibility happy not even happy but more uplifting version of what they're doing i can it's see taken that and gone oh let's make this nice i can i can see appealing to people yeah i can see where you're going with that um and certainly in terms of like the really like arcade fire have a very broad palette of instruments and mm. stuff like that as do godspeed i mean the the 
uh, there were eight musicians who played on this record and there's is there's a bit of a revolving lineup with godspeed but it, it, it's um it generally seems to be sort of eight kind of musicians who work on most of their stuff um certainly i mean i'm really glad you brought up swans there because for example i don't know some people would some post-rock naysayers would be like oh mogwai and godspeed they sound exactly the same godspeed have more in common with swans than they do with mogwai fact like they just mm. they just do um and uh, i mean especially in the sort of hypnotic repetition and the way that they build around a central motif um and then just expand it out over a period of <laughs> sometimes you know almost 20 minutes um although that's unfair to say as well because even those those 20 minute songs you are usually sort of a suite of songs you know there's four different parts to a song or something like that but i i i think mogwa uh, sorry i think godspeed black emperor have much more to do with swans than they would with say mogway they both share you know an incredible sense of dynamics for example mm. um when godspeed are quiet they're very very quiet and when they're loud boy they are very very loud especially live um overpoweringly so and yes they are louder than motor motorhead um but uh yeah um i i you know there's a lot of misconceptions about um you know post-rock if we're calling it that and um a lot of them are attributed to bands like godspeed and uh, i thought it was worth getting all that stuff out of the way a little bit first yeah, particularly so we don't have to do it again when we review our fourth album that we're doing today as well. We've <laughs> <laughs> got two of these this week, actually. Um, yeah, uh, okay, so we should when, probably when Steve speak says about we, this When record. Steve says we have two of these, we have two instrumental records that we're talking about. Yeah, we do, yeah, yeah, yeah we do, yeah. Um, Which are this both record, totally Yeah, they are. I mean, to be honest, they, they really are, but I just thought I'd say that to, to annoy you. Um, <laughs> uh, this record is pretty intense i mean i was gonna say that like, i is there an is there a simple entry point into this band because uh, i'm not sure there is i mean if there no. is it's not there it's spoiler alert it's if there is it's not this i would say you know what i don't think there is and i think that's, <laughs> i don't think there is i think that's why it took me 17 years to get them uh i, mm. I don't think there is a, a simple entry point at all uh, i mean just just so if you want to fast forward this if this does not sound like your bag at all the first song is 20 minutes long as we said it's six minutes before the kind of main bass riff that drives it even comes in yes it is indeed so you've got six minutes before the main kind of meat of the song the main arrives. the main hook of the song yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and but what a hook. I, I mean it's <laughs> such a great hook and mm. they just I, I don't mind that because i mean i I think that, you know, we were talking before and I was saying, I mean, we talked to when we did the writer's review on Meet Me and St. Louis, who are a completely different band. But still, I said, there's only X amount of stuff that I need of this type of thing. And I think it would take something really special um, for it to kind of permeate the amount of math rock that I would need in my life. I've got the amount that I need. I've got that first, the what, ABCD battles ep compilation mm -hmm. that'll do me i'm good like and i i kind of have a similar thing with some of the instrumental very very long involving crescendo based music when i'm, I'm going to try not to call it post mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i've got mm -hmm. laughing stock on vinyl mm -hmm. we all know 
well, I won't say their name, but you know, if you're listening, you know who I talk about all the time. But anyway, who um, you talk but, talk about all the time? Who I talk talk about all the time? <laughs> yeah. But the thing about Godspeed You Black Emperor is, is I mean, again, talk, I don't even think this is a headphones album. But if you listen to it on headphones, fuck my life. Mm. There is uh, just sound absolutely incredible. Mm. Like yeah. the sound of this record is is so glorious. Yeah. You can feel the. Uh, it's got the thing where you can kind of feel the that the you can feel the the touch of the plectrum hitting the strings. Mm-hmm. You can feel the kind of the weight of people's fingers on the the organ. Do you know what I mean? Like it, like it, it's it feels alive. Yeah, it's like it's a living, breathing, moving organism, and like the stabbing organ parts that come in around the kind of nine, ten minute mark on the first. So the first song is called "A Military Alphabet." Open brackets, five eyes, all blind. Close brackets. Open brackets. Four five two one dot zero kilohertz. Six seven three zero dot zero kilohertz. 4109.09 kilohertz slash jobs lament slash first of the last glaciers slash where we break how we shine open brackets rocket for mary close brackets that is the name <laughs> of the first song it's 20 minutes and 20 it's 20 minutes and 22 seconds long and when the you know like i say when the that stabbing almost like almost kind of 50s horror movie organ comes in around the nine ten minute mark they that's when I, I was like this is why people go mad for this band yeah because it is such a luxurious brilliantly textured sound i got 13 minutes into this song and it it didn't really feel like 30 minutes but i looked at it because i was like oh they're nearly finished and i was like oh shit they're not mm-hmm. and there's still seven minutes of the song left where they basically i felt like they'd peaked and I thought, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Like, mm. are we going to have seven minutes? Seven minutes is a long fucking time. Mm. Like, if you had a, a song on its own that was seven minutes, you'd go, that's, that's a long, a long song. song. Yeah. And you, you think, think, well, you've peaked 13 mm. minutes into a 20-minute song. But the way they bring it back down and how harsh the strings are and the plod and the thump of that bass. Oh, man, it's an unbelievable journey, that song. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. And I... I I abs- uh, uh, just was like, wow, I'm totally in awe of this record. Yeah. I was going to say, oh, on the first song, all 20 minutes of the first song. <laughs> but still, it is just the first song. And I was like, that could be the album. And that'd be it. And you'd be like, that was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree. I agree with everything you've just said. I, I think um, there's a lot of people who will kind of go, well, does this have to be 20 minutes? Yada, yada, yada. I remember when um, Stage 4 by Touche Amore came out. Um, amazing record um certainly not going to diss it mm. here um uh but that last song skyscraper there was a lot of people who were sort of saying a lot of people who don't understand this music at all uh, who were saying oh that does everything that post-rock songs do but in fucking four minutes um skyscraper is an amazing song um i think that's a fair thing to say to be just as, as an aside i think that's a sort of fair thing to say it does feel like a massive journey not condensed. when not when you can oh i think that's fair to say but it does not it does not do anywhere near the same thing as what this does um you don't know like like i mean 
the, the it's certainly a song that feels like it compacts a lot of stuff into a very short space of time but mm. if you think that it's possible to get exactly the same feeling from that song as it is from a godspeed song you are sorely mistaken and you don't understand this music at all well to kind of come because i i might have been one of the people that said that and what i meant by that was i think when you have a band who sit on one riff or sit on one thing you know there are those people who take a long time to build to that crescendo yeah. you know you know there's a lot of bands in in every type of music who are just chances who go are we like that we'll make some of that and, mm. and don't really do it mm. i think there are a lot of bands within that scene who will do an eight minute long song that just kind of takes ages to build to a crescendo and then comes down you go well you could you could squeeze that down to four minutes and turn it into an actual song mm -hmm. you could do that oh yeah yeah, um, yeah this is this is not one of those songs no. by any stretch of imagination the comparison i mean really the comparison between touche amour and godspeed and godspeed they're so different you know, they're it, it, so different it was just an example that that came to mind i mean it's one of the most recent examples of something i can think of where you know a lot of people on mass were just like um all all this additional like making el elongating them and making it this long is unnecessary and i think godspeed are the um reason why that is not the case it's it's the it's the indefatigable proof as to why uh you, you do need that kind of that really long slow languorous build and the way that again it's that thing of like if you it, it it feels like the song is um kind of mutating so slowly that sometimes you can kind of get the impression that not an awful lot is happening but actually something's happening every second and it's changing every second and if you go to like the six and a half minute mark and then you go to the 12 and a half minute mark you realize that there's been a massive 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 change if you skip between those two points in the song but you might not kind of realize that as it's happening um, but I think getting getting lost and almost getting into a sort of hypnotic state as you're listening to these songs is the way to experience them and is the way to really enjoy them. And, you know, that isn't for some people and that's fine. Um, but, uh, yes, um, I'm just trying to destroy it's about wanting to be there i think mm. i think it's about wanting to be there versus you know having a compelling reason to want to be there yeah for me godspeed you black emperor I, I, i'm not i'm not saying they could take the first six minutes of this and turn it into half an hour and i'd be completely like in awe of it and still as, as gripped as it as, as i as I, I am in 20 minutes of all the stuff that goes on mm. but because they sound so like because it's so beautifully captured i actually think you know I, there are times where we've covered bands who are instrumental bands or whatever and i do think you know well this just sounds like bass drums guitar and a couple uh, and you know and maybe a little bit of synth and it kind of builds to a thing and it's like yeah it's it's perfectly enjoyable but you know am i enraptured to be here not mm. not particularly mm -hmm, whereas mm -hmm. godspeed you black emperor every fucking note feels like seismic essential yeah mm. it does and uh, there's something about just the way that they sound the kind of this kind of crushing monolithic sound that they create from every even when they're being quiet that is just so so seductive and mm -hmm. brilliant and um you know, there's there's a lot of, I mean, another uh, 
the out the, the song um government came which is the other so basically this is four tracks over 52 minutes and 38 seconds it's two massively long songs and two not quite as long songs um and which, is, which, minutes which is a formula they followed quite yeah. a bit actually since they've uh, returned i would say Mm. so government came open brackets 9980.0 hertz 3617.1 kilohertz 4521.0 kilohertz cliff gaze I'm just gonna make a cliff gaze cliffs gaze at waters empty uh, empty waters rise slash ashes to sea or nearer to thee that's the entire i know bastards <laughs> 19 minutes and 48 seconds and it's got this kind of angular eastern sounding noise within it for the first five minutes and it's quite jarring and it's the sort of thing that people would call pretentious if they were going to use that but Mm. i felt really drawn to it and the tension that they create the creation of tension in the places where they create they create tension in places which is very very difficult to create tension in those quiet moments in those um those quiet moments or those angular moments or those moments where you don't really feel like the song is really the traditional idea of a song has really started moving for them to create such brilliantly tense, clear dynamic passages within that. Mm. I, 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 they're, they're fucking brilliant. This album's fucking brilliant. Mm, mm. It's fucking brilliant. And as the song goes along, it sort of begins to kind of congeal into something which is, which goes from, Again, I know it's 90 minutes, so you'd expect something to happen. But to go from something so kind of dense and angular and weird and and kind of jarring and nasty sounding into something that congeals into something really uplifting and moving, that that's why this music... Surely that's the purpose of that music. Like, you're more of an expert on this stuff than me, but surely everybody's aiming for that feeling in, in this genre right um i would have thought so if you could even call it a genre i mean we've discussed this in the past you know is it like all it is really is an incredibly progressive form of music that tries to um break all the rules uh just like punk was um but uh just does it in a very different way it's just but the approach i mean you know the, the manner in which it's done is very very different but the kind of ideas and the approach are actually very similar um mm. i think I think the the the, sh- the the density of Godspeed Sound and the fact that there are you know cello like there's so many so many different instruments and instrumentation on this record um, like uh, you've got Glockenspiel and sitting drums, standing drums, electric bass, upright bass, violins, organs you know, these like radio signals, which they keep coming back to throughout their whole career. Um, It's just such a dense sounding record, which is the case with all of Godspeed's records, I would say. I think what's really interesting about this, I do agree with absolutely everything that you say. I'm not even totally convinced um, that within the uh, context of godspeed's albums i'm not convinced that this is a strong godspeed record um not to say that it isn't a strong record i think i think it might be i mean i the only reason i say that is because luciferian towers which was their previous album um is an album which i really i really really like it's one of my favorites but i realize it's one of my favorites because it was 
the show that I saw, they played that album in full. And so I have that kind of personal connection to it. But interestingly, I mean, it Luciferian Towers is probably the Godspeed album that has had the least uh, amount of critical appraisal. Um, not that it had a bad reviews or anything like that, but just taking Metacritic as an example, just to give an idea, um, Luciferian Towers got a score of 74 out of 100. Uh, sorry, 76 out of 100. Um, whereas all their other albums have 80 or above, you know. So for some reason, that record wasn't received in the same way as some of their other ones. And I, I will say with Godspeed at State's End, uh, sorry, Godspeed at State's End, um, I think it, it is a very similar um, formula to Luciferian Towers, in my opinion. Um, there have been some reviews that have come out which, you know, haven't, don't feel that way um but i do think there's a similar kind of uh approach and, and and formula to the last record which is you know doesn't matter at all because this band don't sound like any other band so that's absolutely fine but i am quite curious to see how it is received by um uh godspeed fans at large and i'm curious to know if it's going to be received as like one of their really top tier records or if it's not and I, i'm i'm not sure really um mm. but um uh yeah it it, it it struck me that it is quite it, it struck me as being quite similar in style to luciferian towers um, well i would not know that because like i say i've not listened to i've not listened to anything from the sort of the second act of their mm -hmm. career mm to be honest um i mean the the second act of their career uh, i would say luciferian towers and asunder sweet and other distress personally i both prefer to this record i still think this record's fucking amazing like that you know there isn't a single godspeed record now now that i feel like i get it um there yeah. isn't a single godspeed record that i don't like to be fair um yeah i mean yeah i mean i guess i just sort of haven't really you know i haven't listened to them for a long time um but having not listened to them for a long time and listening to this has really made me go, oh, yeah, they were fucking brilliant like back in the day. And I probably should go back and listen to all the other albums they've done because this is, you know, this was, it was funny because last week you said to me like, oh, it's hard work, this record. It's quite hard work. It's a bit weird. It's quite hard work. And, you know, I'm not going to deny that 20 minute long songs with that fucking name that I've just given you don't really get going <laughs> for six minutes. It's not hard work. Yeah. But I didn't find it any point. I never didn't enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just enjoyed it from the first listen. I was like, this is great. This sounds great. It just sounds great. And I think it's like if this is like a weak version of what they've been doing for the last decade, then I'm definitely going to go back to all the other records because I, I, I think this is fucking brilliant. This record. I don't want to give the wrong impression because, as you said it there, a weak version of what they've done. That sounds far, far, far too harsh. So I don't want to give that impression. I think this record is great. Of like Since they have come back, of the four records that they've done since they've come back, it's my personal third favourite. But also, I should probably say, we've had this record for two or three weeks. These are the kind of mm. records that you need to live with for several months at least before you can really ascertain where they are and by the end yeah. of the year it's quite likely that this record would have you know surpassed uh uh some of those other ones that i've been talking about um but um yes uh it's another brilliant godspeed record i mean i guess that's not a massive surprise really um but um 
yeah. In terms of how you, uh, in terms of an entry point into Godspeed You Black Emperor, I mean, apart from seeing them live, which I think is, a, you know, obviously a bit of a risk and, you know, requires you to put down quite a lot of money in order to do that, or 30, 30 quid, whatever it is to see them live. If I was going to say try a, rec a record, Mm. Yankwai UXO maybe I mean it's 75 mm. minutes <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> what's well, like you said there's no there's no such thing as an easy entry point no no I would say I know my pro probably my favorite Godspeed song ever and I think it's actually to pop you know it's probably it's partly to do with this performance that I saw at Roadburn as well but Boss's Hang from Luciferian Towers is I think it's 14 minutes long and does everything that Godspeed do. Like, like everything brilliant that Godspeed do, in my opinion, is in that track. So Wicked. Okay. Jonathan Seltzer from Metal Hammer. We were having a conversation yesterday because I did the, the Metal Hammer podcast yesterday and I was talking to Jonathan afterwards and I was like, oh, have you heard the new Godspeed, you Black Emperor? And he said the EP that you mentioned, which has got a fucking weird name. I can't remember what the EP was. One that came out in 1999. Yeah, New Zero, Canada, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, he was like, I think that's the best thing they've ever done. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it's that. It's fucking excellent, that EP. It is really mm. fucking good. Because um, that's only 25 minutes or so, isn't it? It's, uh, it's just shy of 30 minutes, two tracks, 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 so maybe give that a go i mean i i personally like there is you know like i say i've never heard anything i have not heard all of this band's material but everything i've ever heard is it's hard work to a point it's hard work if you aren't in particularly invested in you've got to want to listen to this but you know what i mean you've got to want to get into this band you've got to yeah, really yeah. want to get into this band. Yeah, you if do. you don't i would probably say you know maybe just maybe they're just not for you I like for me personally, this has reminded me of why people, th why other people think of them so highly. I really liked them back in the day, and I really liked them probably because of the stuff they were surrounded with, and it was something which I felt like I really had to like push myself into liking. Mm. You know, lift your skinny fist. That's you know, it's a great record, um, but it took me a really, 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 really long time uh, to get into. Me, but then so yeah, did, ages. you know, so did Young Team. So, did yeah. you know, I still can bear, I still struggle with like rock action, which I know you think is a, is one I of the Mogwai's strongest. But, it. you know, it's, it was my kind of entry point into a lot of this stuff. So, you know, it, it you've got to really persevere with these sort of bands. But I mean, absolutely, this record is, if you, if, if you want to try and get into this sort of stuff, I mean, this record is absolutely worth persevering with because I think there's, there's just so so much to enjoy about it. There's so much of it is just great, and they are a really really great band. Like they are de they are deservedly thought of as kind of standard bearers for music made in this style. Because yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Incredibly unique. They're incredibly involving. They sound fantastic, and they're just really dynamic and like they're, they're just a, they're just a great band yeah they're just like they're a great band they're royalty in this scene undoubtedly and um they are quite unlike anything else um and uh i would say you know i've said this before but the more you put into something the more you get out of it and that's that's true that's a lot of what post-rock is about and some people don't have the patience for that and that's fine but you know if 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 you if you are willing to put that effort in, you'll get more out of this kind of thing than you would out of I don't know, 
circle jerks. There's nothing wrong with circle jerks, by the way. But you know, just as a as an example on the total opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, I mean, you get quite a lot out of circle jerks. I, 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 right. fuck it. I was looking. So, I was listening to Group Sex just the other day. I was like, this song, this album's fucking brilliant. But you know, it's good, isn't it? But yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, God's peed at State's End is out <laughs> right now. Uh, let's move on to an album that actually came out. A few a few weeks ago, we we mm. sort of missed it at the time. It actually came out on the nineteenth of March. Uh, the album is by the band June. It's called Etiman Aenka. It's the second album from the Scottish progressive metal quintet. The follow up to their debut album Asheran from two thousand and seventeen. Want to give a shout out to Red Stripe on the download forum who posted a couple of days after the album came out. Said just wondering if you guys had heard the Dune album or had just decided to pass it by. Uh, I'll put it on for a catch-up edition. And then a couple of people went, oh, this is really good. Um, uh, and so we decided to have a little listen to uh, it. I have to hold my hands up here and say I fucked up on this one. I was made aware of the Omega Severa single towards the end of last mm-hmm. year. Uh, listened to it and went, oh, wow, there's a band that have a lot of potential. And then I promptly, completely and utterly fucking forgot about it like a fucking tool. Uh, and yes, as you've just pointed out, some of our last lovely listeners on the download forum uh, asked if we'd be covering we d- this. We do. We do try and listen to your suggestions, by the way. I mean, like I said, I don't really spend a lot of time on social media anymore because can't be asked. But um, it might seem like we ignore you, Moontooth. Um, but we don't. We we, we do actually listen. Um, um, but yes, but I I was um, I, I felt particularly stupid because I was actually aware of this band and I made a mental note to myself to when I heard the Omega server a single sever a single to oh i we must cover that on riot act and then like i say i completely forgot about it so mm. i felt like a right tit you are a mental note <laughs> yes <laughs> uh so why have we decided a few weeks down the line to pick up on fairly kind of small scottish metal band who actually i should say it's dvne not du any so it's Dvoon really uh presumably pronounced Dune though why have we decided to pick up because we don't do this very much usually we would probably would save it for a catch-up but both of us listened to this record in the aftermath of this and both of us did go yeah let's put this in straight away because I think both of us think this is pretty fucking great right I you hate me spoiling you you hate me going absolutely bonkers on a on an album right at the top of a review, so I'm trying to hold back. But yes, okay. <laughs> but yeah. Yes. So uh, this is a concept album, and whilst I don't okay. think um, the concept is integral to get enjoyment out of the album at all, it is nice to see a concept that feels fully realised as opposed to just sort of tacked on on the end, um, which is often the feeling I get from concept records, let's face it. I think since, I was thinking about this the other day, I think post Crack the Sky, it became very fashionable to make a concept album. Um, Mm -hmm. But so often when you kind of ask a band what the concept's about, the language that they use is so uh vague and flowery, you kind of wonder why they bothered. But the concept for this record was so fully established uh, that the artwork was completed three months before they even entered the studio. 
Wow. There, there are very specific sci-fi concepts and connections that they are using as inspiration here. So, for example, the song Towers was inspired by, inspired by the books Terminal World by Alistair Reynolds and Altered Carbon by Richard K. Morgan. That was also turned into a Netflix series, I believe. Um, Enuma Elias uh, is a direct reference to the Babylonian creation myth, as well as the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, Gilgamesh which is the oldest story ever written down in history i think fact fans um oh. and you know there's 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 a there's a lot of like really cool conceptual stuff going on if you want to delve into that side of the record you don't have to to, to, to get any kind of enjoyment from this sort of record at all because this i haven't so. Uh, yeah yeah exactly and you <laughs> and you have got lots of and to be actually to be fair i'm not going to go massively into the concept because i don't think it matters at all but I just wanted to point out that it is nice that they've actually put together a really cool concert if you if you want to delve into that. Um, mm. what, I'll tell you what else is nice. Mm, yeah, Being able to be nice about metal is nice. Yes, it is. Oh, it's being so nice. Being able to be nice about metal. I mean, look, you know, we were... I get, when we started this podcast, I mean, obviously, we covered a lot of metal because I write for Metal Hammer, Renfri writes for Metal Hammer. We predominantly existed in sort of rock and metal circles in terms of stuff we covered and blah 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 blah. we also, we also as, do like metal contrary to popular belief yeah <laughs> of course we like metal for fuck's sake i mean i i really like metal and i listen to metal all the time all the time up, all the time we grew up on metal yeah the problem is is that i have found myself over the last couple of years and particularly why you know endlessly listening to endless quite crap metal bands that have been coming out over the last few years and there have been you know i'm not fucking there's been some great metal records that have come out over the last sort of five years or so but they were becoming the well they've become the exception rather than the rule you know and just you know and there's stuff and i think you know there's stuff that i mean i think it's in you don't like nightmare logic by power trip and i i I will never understand why you don't adore that record, but you know it's a straight-ahead metal record, so I suppose that's that's what you don't like about it. Oh, but, I, I, I mean, know, to be fair, I, I, there's, I, there's nothing wrong with that record at all. I just don't think it does anything new. That's all, and it doesn't. It, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's so much better than that. But anyway, um, but but you know, but we sort of started out and we we're like, oh, you know, metal and stuff, and. I did find myself sort of going, uh, I just don't want to, I don't want to kind of bullshit people into being like, oh, you have to listen to this because it's so great. And and then when really I'm thinking, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a slog trying to find a really, really great metal band at the moment. And we, you know, to be fair, we have found a few and I think we kind of only really bring them in now if they're, if they're, if they're a, either Rob Zombie and they're sizable and, mm. you know, it's like you probably want to know what we think about mm. it. Or they're really genuinely worth talking about. Mm. Ruins of Beverast, mm -hmm. Tribulation and this mm. have been really, really, really worth us talking about. Definitely. They're not massive bands. I mean, Tribulation, are, I would say, comfortably the biggest one of those, yeah, those artists. Yeah, comfortably. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but, you know... And they're not a big so, band. Tribulation. They're not a big not, band not at all, the grand, really, are they? Not in the grand scheme of things, no. 
And so, you know, I, and like pupil slicer, if they're uh, yeah, metal, mm, as, yeah, I suppose yeah. they sort of are, aren't they? Um, but we only really would, I, I've, I think, got to the point now where it's like, we're only going to bring in these bands if, if we're going to go, this is fucking brilliant. Well, I think like, this is, I think another reason for that is because, um, the reason why a lot of modern metal is really, um, dull is because there's these weird kind of, um, unspoken rules and formulas that metal bands keep, um, uh, prescribing to. And, it's really boring for us to talk about those yeah. same things over and over again every week, week in, week out. So um, it's not just it's not just the fact that we don't find those records particularly interesting. It's also the fact that it would just get really, really dull talking about fucking beatdowns and and like <laughs> again and again and again and a fucking again. You know, it's just dull. Mm. And we are trying to be somewhat entertaining at the same time. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. and informative. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, immediately... So basically, that's why we decided to cover this record. And immediately, a second I press play on this, I don't know, like I, th- th- you can just get a feeling from a band straight away. And the second I pressed play on this, it was like this Leviathan-era Mastodon mixed with black metal at the start of the opening song, which is Enuma... Elias mm. or Ellis, sorry, and then it goes into this kind of watershed era Opeth bit, and I was just like, "What's not to like, right?" Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. an incredibly impressive opening to the record, and my ears just pricked up straight away. And the amount of times I put a metal album on, and I go, "Okay, yeah, this sounds like a you million know, metal. other things." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my ear, and even though I, you know, like you said it before, you get this kind of thing where you are almost kind of chemically chemically um disposed to go in oh good the sound of metal guitars mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah, then yeah, yeah. after a couple of minutes that that sort of thrill goes away yeah but it is quite rare now i think for me to put a metal record on and for me to go not just go oh cool like it's uh this is a not an all right riff but to actually go oh fucking hell this sounds great i think and the first striking thing about when you first put this record on is um how quiet it is initially mm. you actually said mm. um when you first <laughs> listened to this record uh it, yeah, it, i woke my neighbors up it, yeah. <laughs> it comes in very very almost silently and um uh dune used silence in a in the same way that say aa williams would use silence you know which is not something that you see metal bands doing much at all really um and i think that is really really cool and so basically you started the album and you're like oh my volume is clearly turned all the way down or something like that and really it's just a very very quiet start which then sort of explodes into this absolutely monumental uh spindly hammer on pull off kind of bonkers riff very very mastodon mastodon is undoubtedly a touchstone and i'm sure the majority of reviews will mention mastodon but there are far more than just mastodon copyists um they would mastodon would never dare to get as quiet as june are willing to get you know um the i think it's the meaty riffs and the spindly leads um, that gives the that kind of Mastodon connection, but it's also mixed with the dynamics and electronics and maybe some of the synth elements from the latest Deftones record. Um, and it's also imbued with the mysticism and expansiveness of Tool. 
Um, I mean, these are not light comparisons to be making. And as you just pointed out, what's not to like? <laughs> you know, if you're mm. mentioning Mastodon Tool and Deftones are three of the best metal quote-unquote bands and opeth are four of the best metal quote-unquote bands to ever do it and this band evokes all of those bands without ever actually sounding exactly like either of them Mm. i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of shit going on Mm. there's a lot of shit going on there's a song on it called omega severus funny you mentioned mm. deftones actually because the second longest song on the album it's the song that you heard mm. that kind yes. of inspired which made me go oh we should cover this uh, yeah. and i think it's apps i mean that i wish i'd heard it because there's no way i would have let it slip through i think it's <laughs> yeah. just fucking incredible yeah. it's got these really grim sounding riffs and dirty blast beats i mean it's like you know we're, t- we're talking kind of 1989 earache records vibe to that you know that kind of early almost like early death metal vibes on it but then these beautifully clean guitars and again this kind of zeppelin-y eastern melody comes into it with this wailing female vocal that comes over the top very much the kind of great gig in the sky knife party thing to it yeah and lisa robertson is her name yeah and for them to meld that with like proper gnarly grim shit like i i think the problem with I mean, particularly death metal, right? And that kind of harking back to this like wicked glory period of, of early death metal, of death and of um, entombed or, you know, of Carcass and At The Gates and Morbid Angel and, and all those bands, like, you know, like fucking brilliant. Those bands are brilliant, right? They're fucking brilliant. And they all sound different to one another. Yeah. But people are so obsessed with just taking that and going, oh, it was a great time. We're true death metal. We're going to sound like mm-hmm. that. And then you just make a kind of boring, you know, Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox yes. of it. Copy of a copy of a copy. And they've made a version of that and taken it and, 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 and charged it with like, like I say, Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Who fucking does that? Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Yeah. Like it's really, really great. I mean, yes, you know, Mastodon is a band who cropped up a fair bit, I guess, conceptually. I think the vocals are, you know, uh, aren't a million miles away from the Troy Sanders style, you know, bellow that Mm -hmm. he has uh, at some points. And, but then, you know, there's, there's stuff that reminded me of Stephen Wilson, very quiet and melodic and relaxing. And, you know, like you say, the dynamics is, is great. Mm -hmm. And it's a really, really good album, this. And the riff that ends Saturia, which is the last song, which reminded oh, yeah. me of Bury Me in Smoke on the way that, that Nola ends. I mean, again, you know, Southern, just that rocky kind of rumbly, deserty riff. It's so fucking awesome. Mm. Like, there's so many bits on this that just remind me of loads of really, really classic, brilliant, innovative metal bands. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wicked. But they do have their own thing going on as well and this is only you know this is only their second record which i think is incredibly exciting in terms of like what this band could go on to do um i i, I think yes that riff at the end of uh it's uh oh shit what is the last song called Sayura, that's it yeah that, Sat- Satira. that is, is absolutely brilliant there's a riff in um sixiv um mm which uh, for, uh, I'm going to say it right now. It's the best metal riff of the year. Don't care what comes next. Um, uh, it's this absolutely incredible riff in the middle of it, which is 
just spellbindingly brilliant um very very i mean it, again it is very kind of mastodon take uh crack the sky era but done to an absolutely extraordinary um uh it's of extraordinary quality most of the i mean the other thing that we should say is this is a really long record and most of the time, hour and seven minutes yeah 67 minutes and 14 seconds i do like to be accurate with my timings <laughs> um and um you know most of the time especially when it comes to um metal which can be not very dynamic um we would moan about that sort of thing but this album does not feel over an hour long at all i mean when every single time i play it it feels like half an hour's gone or something like that um i'm constantly taken aback that second track towers for example is nine minutes and yes. five seconds long i mean yeah. that song feels like it's three minutes like uh because and it goes it moves through so many different parts and so many different um styles but with such fluidity that mm. it just feels really, really short. And I think another thing that's worth mentioning, there are interludes on this record as well. And often interludes are used just to break up an album or make it more dynamic. And, you know, I think the interludes on this, that is part of um, what they're doing. But they also feel like brilliant songs in and of itself. I mean, as Asphodel in particular, it's just a beautiful song. It's that's nearly five minutes long. As well. It's nearly five minutes long. To I mean, call it a, to, to call it a, 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 an interlude. I mean, it's. A... I think on a record like this, it kind of is because mm. when you know when you're looking at, I mean, you know, the other songs: nine minutes five, seven minutes thirteen, nine forty-two, six twenty-two, eight oh nine. Yeah, when a, when a song is four minutes forty-one seconds, I think you could argue it's an interlude, mm. but it feels it doesn't feel like if those interludes were taken out, this album would lose a lot of what makes it great they they feel like a properly integral part of the whole um it's not something you know and i can't say that of all interludes i'm often pleased that interludes are there because it does break up an album but the the quote unquote interludes on this album do so much more than just break up the record um this, I have said this to you privately already, and uh, this is the best metal record of the year as far as I'm concerned. Um, the other contender for me was The Ruins of Beverast, which is mm -hmm. also brilliant, um, but this one does eclipse it for me. Uh, you didn't feel like that a few days ago, but how do you feel about that now? Yeah, I think I agree with you now, yeah. Yeah. I think a few listens down the line I do. And I, I tell you what it is. And I listen to them actually. I ba I listen to them back to back. And I do think that Ruins of Beverast album is great. But it's you know fantastic. What, do you know what really clinched it for me with this? And it's something which, again, I'm not, don't worry. I know people think I compare everything to Code Orange. I'm not going to compare this band to Code Orange at all. But speaking to Jamie from Code Orange, and he was like, the thing about metal a lot of the time now is that I don't see, like, people don't want to write, they want to be so extreme that they don't want to write hooks. Mm -hmm. They don't want to write mem enough memorable songs. And I think that like, metal has struggled to create some, you know, really, really super memorable songs. I mean, the fact that uh, the, the, the last issue of Metal Hammer, which had the the 100 greatest songs of the 21st century, when you think of the, the really big metal songs from the last 10 years, they're not 
there's not as many in kind of extreme music. I guess like Stranded by Gojira. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an extreme song at all, but something like um, Square Hammer by Go- Square Hammer by Ghost is a mm-hmm. massive song. Mm-hmm. And metal used mm-hmm. to have, when you think of like, you know, the, the big songs from the 80s or the big songs from the 90s, hooks all over the place in shit like Fear Factory and Typo Negative or you know, even Metallica and, mm-hmm. and Anthrax and bands like that. Hooks all over the place, memorable parts. And, you know, they, a lot of, and even in extreme metal, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure this is an extreme metal album per se, but certainly like Where the Slime Live or Damned or Done by Entombed or, you know, uh, even going up to like Blood and Thunder by Mastodon or, you know, the the hook in The Heaviest Matter in the Universe or whatever, mm. right? Mm. Those great songs from heavier music had massive fucking hooks behind it. And you mm-hmm. mentioned Towers. And you're like, oh, I can't believe it's nine minutes long. It's because it's so hooky. It's because it's so memorable. It's because it's so hummable after you've heard it. And so much of this record, like the Ruins of Beverly album is great. The Tribulation album is great. It's not a lot that's kind of hummable on those records, but there's something really, really memorable about everything on this record. I feel like, you know, the kind of, the the vocal hook on Aranden, the sixth song, I don't know if that's how you say it, Ad... Adrienne, Adrienne um, <laughs> is so kind of melodically hooky, and again that I go, you would you call that an interlude track? I mean, it's three minutes long. To me, that's like a that's more like a proper song, even though it is one of the shortest songs on the record. But it's really it's really hooky. Like the, yeah. the whole those those leads on towers, that big that riff that kind of drives it, so memorable. It's in my head right now as yeah. we're yeah. As, as we're we're talking about it. Well, the, you know that massive riff at the end of Saturday. Saturia, mm. like that that riff that just goes like that lumbering that goes over and over and over again. It's like bury me in smoke. Like mm. I say, mm. we can all kind of hum that riff in our head right now, just as I say it, and it's got that same thing about it. And that to me is why it is, you know, both Ruins of Beverast and this album are incredibly impressive, mm. vast, expansive, quite experimental, quite thought, you know thoughtful difficult challenging unique metal records one of them will be in your head for days afterwards when you listen to it and that's this one and that's why i would say it's probably the best record yeah yeah i i i mean i you know i I don't really want to pit those records against one one another because they are both Mm. brilliant um but um but for, for for me this is this is this is the best metal record we've talked about this year i think and i'm gonna go really bold with this steve um i do think um you know people are going to compare them to mastodon a lot and i do understand that i listening to this i it did remind me of listening to leviathan in 2004 and the feeling that i got from listening to leviathan in 2004 I think it's a little bit early to go, oh, this is better than Leviathan or this is as good as Leviathan or anything like that. But I think there's, I think it has a case. Okay. <laughs> I didn't expect that to come um, out of your mouth to, to compare it to Leviathan, which is one of my favourite metal records ever, I think. so. Yeah, same. Not, yeah. Yeah. Leviathan is one of my favorite record, favorite metal records. We'll of see. All time well, as well. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get drawn on that as a conversation. But what I will say is, this album is fucking great, and you should. And if you're interested in Mastodon or any of those types of bands that we've mentioned, 
or if you're just interested in metal in general, this is a record which you really, really need to listen to. Mm. It's really, really good. Mm. I mean, it's really good. Uh, Etiman Ayenka by Dune. And that's D-V-N-E. It's been out a couple of weeks. Um, if you haven't heard it, go and listen to it right now. Uh, let's move on to the next record we're going to talk about, which is from a band called Hierarchy. The album's called Stumbling Through the Walls. It is the second album from the Danish trio, the follow-up to their 2017 debut, Modern Jeans. Um, I got sent this for, for Metal Hammer. I'd never heard of them before. I didn't know anything about them. Uh, it's one of those times where, I mean, I kind of sometimes go, oh, bloody Metal Hammer, we get sent loads of albums and they're no good or whatever. But... Um, occasionally jonathan sends me through an absolute beauty and i have to say actually this album is not out until next, next week. week yeah right so we just had one that's been out two weeks it's a bit of a quiet week essentially so we've moved this one forward this is out next week um we reviewed the last album by the band uniform at the end of 2019 and we we're pretty positive about it mm. and i think this is something which does a fairly similar thing although again Dare I say it, Renfrey? It's hardly like comparing it to say it's better than Leviathan, but dare I say it, it does it better. Oh, I think um, this is better than the Uniform record, definitely. Yeah, this is industrial music boiled down to its bare bones and combined with kind of discharge style punk rock. And it is a savagely brutal but enthralling record i think yeah it's no uh, noisy synth punk i think is yeah. fair to say their bio say, uh, describes them as an aggressive style of progressive synth punk from the edge of the abyss the band presents this sonic assault to accompany the inevitable fact that our world is sick and we all take part in maintaining the fucked up systematic structures couldn't agree more um sounds like they missed a trick not getting this out in time for mother's day i think um this <laughs> it uh, uniform is an interesting one because you did mention uniform when we were talking about this um, privately, um, but I kind of the uh, and I and I and I see connections there. But I was reminded more of bands like Youth Code, Street Sex, uh, mm -hmm. Death Grips, and I suppose you could say The Armed as well. I mean, it's worth saying The well, Armed because Kara um, from The Armed appears on the first song, Common Fear um so that might be part of the reason why i'm i'm making that connection but that kind of really noisy progressive um <sighs> shit uh <laughs> that noisy progressive shit basically mm. is is what i'm talking about but like really fucking intense and something that sounds quite contemporary and modern yeah uh it feels like a I don't even want to say it's a new genre, but it feels like a very 21st century sound as opposed to a sound that's happened in any other part in history, basically. It does. I mean, it's funny, actually, because I, on in my review, I mean, actually, again, again talking to Jonathan from Hammer yesterday, he was like, oh, you mentioned post-punk a fair bit, and I didn't really get much of a post-punk feeling from it. And I was like, well, I guess musically, it's not a post-punk record by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a level of industrialized darkness to it that that really kind of reminds me of approach wise of the 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 more kind of abrasive sounds of the the post-punk into i guess early industrial uh genre and they've t sort of melded that with 
the something like the Locust or Blood Brothers mm. or you know like fucking noisy shit. And yeah, I mean stuff like Death Grips. Um, obviously, not, they're not. This isn't a hip hop record, um, but it certainly shares the same willfully antagonistic sense of discordant sound um that a band like death grips would or or clip you know or clipping or um uh who else did we review recently who had a similar sort of thing well i guess even like backwash you know yeah, um, yeah, yeah like has a has a bit of that kind of painstaking sound clash thing about it um the opening song, Common Fear, is just such a fucking punch in the face. And like you say, Cara from The Armed is on it. And if again, if you like The Armed, um, I don't think they sound like The Armed partic- like necessarily, but I think certainly in terms of how much noise can you make, <laughs> it's not a, not a terrible comparative point, really. Yes, um, I, I think that's accurate, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a song like so uh, the 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 next song. Well, it's actually the third song. Sorry, Proto Skin is wicked. It's just jarring, nasty, abrasive, wild. But again, you know, it just it just reminded me of kind of early post punk electro and hardcore all in one bag, being kind of shaken very very violently. Mm. It's wicked. Yeah, uh, yeah, combination of punk noise, post hardcore, and industrial all wrapped up. In- in eight songs in 32 minutes isn't it really um Mm. sounds like they'd be a very very interesting proposition live as well as their vocalist slash synth player john gottlieb is also billed as a visual director and i imagine the images that would go with this music would be quite something to behold i would have thought um Mm. the first thing that hit me was how impressed i was by the sheer amount the, just the barrage of sound that was coming at me <laughs> you know i was like wow this is really impressive but i have to admit on my first listen uh i think i was so kind of um uh, knocked back by that barrage of sound that i was like this is great but it feels like just an expulsion and like is there actually any dynamics to it is there any nuance to this band uh etc etc um upon my second listen i realized that yes there is um i was just so knocked back and taken aback from that first uh, first listen that i was like oh fucking hell um is there any substance to it i suppose is is it was the question that i had on the first listen but no undoubtedly when you listen to it a few more times yeah there absolutely is substance to this record i think the point where it really starts to sort of um slow things down and get really far more interesting uh for me is probably new standards new standard. mm. yeah yeah big time mm. that's my favorite song yeah um, which is track four six minutes long very kind of stalking menacing industrial nine inch nails style vibe to it which is mm. very very well accomplished especially for a band who are pretty new i mean really yeah. as as you said this is their second second album proper um and and i think that's the point you know the, the first three songs the first sort of third of this record is just about hitting you over the face more or less yeah uh, and if it had been that for the whole thing i would have been like well it's very impressive but i'm you know am i going to return to it loads i'm not sure if i am but there is that you know from new standards on onwards i realized that 
there's a lot more to this than I initially realized. Mirror Stalker mm. is another song oh. that has that kind of yeah. slower pace to it. The word stalking seems particularly appropriate, not just because it's part of the title. Uh, it's dark and menacing, almost um, sort of relentless. I've put, mm. I've put spaghetti Western industrial metal. Hello. It sounds like kind of like like a bar fight in west it could soundtrack a bar fight in westworld mm, yeah that's you very know? good yeah that's kind very of good ro robot cowboy um jarring scratchy you know the 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 really loose stringed uh guitar riff which kind of swerves around i mean it's a uh, yeah it's a this is a it's a nasty sounding record for the most part mm. there's no kind of like it's it's <laughs> this is this isn't an insult but it's a it's a it's a joyless record do you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. a it's a stark even though it's full of even though it's full of sounds it's kind of it man like, i think it's cool because it kind of manages to be often like you say stalking and and slowed down but still endlessly chaotic mm, yes. it's a chaotic it's a chaotic listen mm. and um well i think on those slower more languorous songs in particular um i wouldn't say that they sound similar but i do think that th that this album shares dna with the last daughter's record you won't get what you want which will probably Definitely. make a certain section of our audience stop this podcast immediately i want to check it out um it's not out until mm. next week though so haha <laughs> got it uh but <laughs> yeah. you know but 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 you know i i mean making comparisons to that record is is not something that you do lightly and but i think mm. that you know i think yeah this absolutely has that and if it hadn't if it was just like noise 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 bang 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 the whole time i would have been you know i I would have come in, I would have been like, you know, this is cool and I'm impressed with how noisy they can be. But, you know, is that it? Well, it isn't it. There's a lot more to it than that as well. And yeah, the mm. fact that this is just their second record um, makes me well excited for what these guys could do in the future. I think it well impressive. I like this a lot. Yeah, it's really good. Blossom Cuts is where I really like. It's got this kind of ra electronic rain effect at the end, which is really cool. It's, you know, it's compared to oh, everything yeah. else we're doing this week, it's it's a lot shorter and yeah. um you know it, it's a pretty instant listen i mean i think that it because it's massively intense like you say you can put it on first time and i think if you like this sort of thing you will go oh, i like this this is a very instantaneous um a very instantaneous meaty chunk of sort of hate-filled spiteful industrialized noise but it's not like you say, it's not one dimensional. It's not one dimensional. The last song, The Alarmist, has almost got a kind mm. of disco catchy thing behind it with it whilst being really ugly as well. It's an ugly record. Oh, yeah. It's an ugly, spiteful, nihilistically nasty, noisy record. But it's not it's not just like it being endlessly spat in the face. Like it's not a big glob of phlegm just going whack and that's it there's a hell of a lot there's the, a the hell of a lot not a hull of a lot uh <laughs> a rod hull of a lot going on um <laughs> yeah i i i got this and i put it on and i was like i'm really glad jonathan sent me this because you know it feels like something that is definitely aimed towards my palate mm. but i did wonder if you know first sort of couple of songs i was like this is really great is it going to sustain for eight tracks 
I think it absolutely does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think I think that was my worry at first as well. Like, mm. is is this going to sustain itself even over just thirty two minutes? Uh, but mm. no, it absolutely does because there there is, um, yeah, they can be really fucking noisy bastards. But there is a lot more going on under the surface as well. Yeah, it's really good. It's out next week. It's called Stumbling Through the Walls. The band are called Hiraki, which is H I R A K I. Um, I really want to see them live. Yeah, me too. Yeah, this would be the like when gigs go back. Mm. This would be the sort of thing getting to see them at like Slime Light or something, you know. Mm. Um, mm. In or what's that? Is that what's the name of that place in London? The, uh, the, it's the um, Electro Works. Electro Works. Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect place for them. Really kind of horrible, dingy venue. Probably only like forty people there. That yeah. would be really good. Provided the um, usual slime-like crowd don't turn up because uh, if you're not wearing all black and PVC, uh, you're judged um, to be inferior to everyone else. But yes, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah, uh, yeah, good um, good album, that. Very good. Right, our last album of the week. Uh, this is three for three. Three, like, fucking crackers, I yep. would say. Yeah. Yeah. Our fourth album comes from Brew It. The album is called The Machine Is Burning and Now Everyone Knows It Can Happen Again. The debut album from the French post-rock band. Guess who brought this in? <laughs> Hello. Uh, <laughs> um, yes. So I would say you've got like, I'm going to just chime in straight away, Renfrey. You brought this in, right? I'm more than happy to 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 do, you know, two, I'm not going to say post-rock albums, two instrumental, rock uh, albums. instrumental records over the week. Now, we had a little conversation earlier in the week where I kind of insinuated to you that, you know, with God's, you know, I, I feel for Brewer a bit being up against Godspeed, you black emperor. That's sort of what I said to you. And you made, I think a pretty good point, which is, you know, this is a fucking debut album from mm -hmm. a, from a band. And it, as a debut record, you know, I'm really impressed with the journey that mm. this takes you on. Mm. I am really impressed with the journey that it takes it on. I think, you know, it's, <laughs> uh it, it's a heavyweight versus a it's a you know this was a fight it's a heavyweight versus a an amateur um essentially if you're going to compare this to godspeed you black emperor so i'm going to try not to do that mm, but there's only so much no it's not a fight and there's only some but all i'm saying is there's only so much room in my life i guess for kind of instrumental music and it's it's a it's a bit of a bummer for them to come in on the same week as Godspeed You Black Emperor, who are fucking insanely brilliant. But as a matter, of, as a matter of fact, I would say that's why I really wanted to cover this because I didn't want it to get forgotten. Because I, mm. I think it's a real shame in a way when Godspeed announced their record three or four weeks ago that it was coming out on the same day as this. Because Yeah. And and you know, but you know, for for taking it in totally in isolation, which is obviously what I have to do, um, it goes to such vast places and they're again you know they're really they use electronics and orchestral music sometimes in total isolation from each other um in in very excellently expertly subtle ways yeah. and it's an impressive record it's really impressive um do you know what brew it means steve some sort of drink isn't it <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, br that's brute. <laughs> Britvic, yes, that is Britvic. Uh, no, Bruit is French for noise, uh, which is sometimes apt. Um, they um, This band emerged from the ashes of several pop bands, believe it or not, uh, and were born out of the desire to turn their backs on the major labels and return to a process of creation without constraints. Um, 
In the press release, it says this album is written like an imageless movie containing two chapters that illustrate an inevitable repetition of events and a vicious cycle that human civilizations are stuck in. It's an existential tale describing a humanity that experiences apocalypse and rebirth, culture and nature in conflict. The intersection of acoustics and electronics dissolves into a disorientation of time and thematics. So far, so post-rock. Now, we've rubbished concepts in post-rock records before. It's quite difficult to get a specific meaning across to a listener when you don't have lyrics to do that with. Uh, but when I read that descriptor back, particularly that last sentence about culture and nature and the intersection of acoustics and electronics, that makes total sense to me in relation to this album. We don't consider this album to be a compilation of separate tracks, but more like a poetic interlude where every moment introduces the next. The listener will only sporadically be guided towards a theme or a voice and will instead find meaning by surrendering to the intangible atmospheres that allow the listener to create their own narratives. We prefer long formats because we consider that our modern society disconnects us from our biological and natural rhythm. We think that music should be a medium of reappropriation of our given time. We have decided not to diffuse our music on corporate streaming platforms because we we believe they contradict the philosophical and political ideals we defend i'm all for that i have here's to say. lionel richie <laughs> i'm all for that i have to say because again just like punk uh, it seems to me that they are going we are not going to compromise we have a vision we are going to do a thing and we are going to see it through if you don't like that that's fine there's the door but we are going to do this thing and i like that i particularly like that in a band uh, on a debut album um and i think that this particularly for a debut album is incredibly incredibly uh accomplished for for a mm. debut record most um you know what i will broadly call post-rock bands instrumental rock bands whatever to be honest with you they do tend to take a little bit of time to 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 really get going and really discover their own sound and what they're doing um it's very very rare that bands sound this good on a debut full length um but i think brew it i i i mean i was i really 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 racked my brains and in terms of a debut full length, you know, for want of a better word, post-rock record, there are only four that I could think of that I think match this, in my opinion. Uh, they are? Mogwai's Young Team, This Will Destroy You's yep. Young Mountain, Vessels' White Fields and Open Devices, and Russian Circles' Enter, which technically is a post-metal record if you're going to get really finickety about it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the way that this is put together, you know, it's this brilliant combination of post-rock, ambient, electronica, and modern classical music is just is really quite brilliant it, it, industry which is the first song starts with what is technically known as a swishy warbly electronic effect um it's very vangelis like an influence which as we discussed many times before is pretty it's quite a staple in post-rock and so it begins and you know it feels very very post-rocky and then a minute and a half in the song changes tack completely and is driven along by this pulsating kind of electronic beat. And then some really beautiful yet eerie strings come in over the top of it. And uh, sometimes they sound like they're scoring 
an elegiac moment in a movie, but there's something really odd and strange and disorientating about them as well. They occasionally dip into quite discordant waters in the same way that the strings in, say, Radiohead's How to Disappear Completely uh, kind of um, mutate into these weird lurching almost seasick kind of uh strings or um mm. in fact radiohead um have said several times that they nixed that idea wholesale from scott walker the scott walker song it's raining today so i use that as an example as well mm. um and brewitt use many of the ingredients that you would find in a lot of other post-rock bands but they do so in a way that i think is quite unconventional and unusual they're a quartet who utilize guitars and bass and drums and keys and violin and cello in uh is the main crux of the band but the album itself also features clarinet french horn bass trombone and vibraphone uh had a banjo in there i think there's quite a few samples interspersed through the album as well which gives these songs a sense of a theme and the so a sense that they're actually trying to say something as well um it, it, it is a subtle record in some senses and certainly we had a conversation earlier this week when when you first heard it you, you were like yeah it was just sort of a post-rock record i was like listen to it again you need to, you need to listen to it a few mm. times before it kind of reveals itself but um to give you an idea i mean the pr who is covering this record covers quite a lot of post-rock bands and he said to me that this is the best post-rock album he's ever been involved with and to be honest with you, at first I was a bit sceptical because he's done a lot of very good post-rock albums over the years. And I, I wasn't totally convinced on a first listen or a second or even a third. But by my fourth listen, I was starting to think that he might actually be onto something. I mean, certainly for a debut album, this is incredibly accomplished. And yes, it is unfortunate that it's come out on the same week as a new Godspeed You Black Emperor um, uh, album. But I really don't think this should be... I, I think that's a shame because it, this shouldn't be overshadowed. I think even compared to that Godspeed record, I think this stands up very, very well indeed. I'm not saying it is as good as that Godspeed record. That would be insane. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I like them both almost as much as each other, <laughs> I would say. Mm. Um, I, I, think, I think this is very, very good. I've spoken a lot there. Goodness me. How do you feel about you it? You have. I, I, I do like it. I think it's an album that really does take its time. And I think yeah. what you've said is sort of testament to that. I think by the end of the final track, the massive soaring, really quite moving crescendo of The Machine Is Burning mm. makes everything that I've heard from it feel worthwhile. That was there were there were points in it where i was like i mean the way it transitions from the first track into the kind of acoustic guitar and renaissance i thought was really cool i really like that song a lot i think it's got a hell of a lot packed into it in fact, i think brilliant. i do think you're right i think there's so much packed into this record um loads of strings and synth and some really like the drumming on this record is mm. brilliant like the, the drummer is just really really cool it's like, a, it's a only proper like sorry buddy rich shit you know like he's great it's only 40 minutes this record as well so so if you're only 40 minutes, if, yeah, yeah if you're thinking oh this is a really really long album blah 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 it, it isn't particularly um it's but it four, does pack it's four a lot, tracks a lot in. yeah it's four tracks in 40 minutes and again the kind of i got the you know it's not often that i do but i got the thematic through what i believed it i was like this is some kind of you know uh this is some sort of comment on um eco 
you know the kind of the, the like a an, an eco versus you know machine style yeah. concept which is yeah. not in a, in and of itself a particularly original concept but i think it's a valid one and it's an interesting one and it's you know it's, it's totally something totally valid thing to be talking about right now yeah you know, of you course know. yeah yeah it's not original um, but but you know to, and, and also and also at least you get the concept and and this mm, is something that i exactly. even i agree with you and this you know there's so many post-rock bands where they go oh it's about this and it's about that and you're like okay i'm, I'm glad that it is about those things for you but because this is instrumental I didn't get that at all, you know. And I completely did get that without having yeah. to read. Like, I've not read the press release or anything. I just listened to the record and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's about that. So that's a really, really good sign. Yes. I think the fact that they're so adept in so many different styles from electronic music to kind of soaring classical parts and a bit of mad drumming. You know, there's there's the kind of crescendo-y guitar riff on it, which I I thought again you know like i was like oh, i've definitely heard this before i've definitely heard bands doing this before but it's done to a very very high standard what i would say is i think you need to listen to this album in full yes. um i think you could probably pick one of those two 20 minute long songs from the godspeed album and, and play it and go that's kind of all right and i think for the most part post-rock albums or, or you know these kind of instrumental concept records do need to be experienced in full i think this makes way more sense i wouldn't i mean at the moment i can see um renaissance is available to listen to as we speak and sit here recording on its own i wouldn't advise anyone to do that i think you should listen to this record from beginning to end in, in its entirety and i think you'll get a lot more from it than you would do listening to the tracks individually this is a good record uh i might go back to this because i do think you know if i get 40 minutes spare and i want to listen to something which is uh you know a kind of dense difficult but quite quite beautiful listen like there are points in this where i was i was wrapped and i was gripped by it yeah you know? yeah 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 it's 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 very uh, and it is good it's really good i mean it's it's i think just by just because of what else is out this week it's my least favorite album of the week but i think the standard this week is is high sky it's high really high this week mm. which is quite ironic that we're basically reviewing you know well at least three bands who are pretty small you know really but i mean that but, that um, doesn't surprise me in the slightest personally no, um but you know no. I, I i think um i i mean this i don't think this is oh, it's probably not surprising this isn't my least favorite record of the week at all i i, I think this is astonishing i i would really struggle to choose between the albums this week because i think they're all fantastic um although june's probably the best one uh but uh but i think this is a beautifully organic gorgeously placed hypnotic an arresting debut album from a post-rock band and, and like i say the majority of time post-rock bands do take a little bit of time you know i mean sigarosa's mm. debut album von is you know a mess to be honest uh explosions mm. in the skies debut album is you know not great um most of the time they take a little bit of time to get going and this that doesn't yeah. feel the case at all with Brewer. And i think the really exciting thing i think this is very 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 good um if this is what they're doing on their first album it really excites me to think what they might do on their third mm. so there you go the album is called the machine is burning and now everyone knows it could happen again by Bruit. we'll be back next week um we're going to be reviewing devil sold his soul i think um we might do london grammar next week as well if we get sent it don't hold your breath um anyway go over to signaturebrew.co.uk put riot act in the checkout and you will get 10 percent off all of their delicious beverages and hey you can have mates rounds 
now, can't you? To sit in your garden and drink beer. Who doesn't want to do that? The weather's whoa, 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 whoa. changed. You can't now. You can in two weeks, I think. Isn't that right? You can't. No, you can now. Can you now? You can now. Why the fuck yeah, are we right doing now, this? You sit in the garden. Because we have to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is our job. I forgot, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's only two hours, like Rem Freely. I can't stop drinking for the whole two hours of the week, for God's sake. Um, so there's that. Also, remember, there shall be a Gojira special over at patreon.com forward slash right act podcast coming for you on Monday. And as if that wasn't enough, 29 whole episodes of Broken Records over on our Broken Records podcast page, which is brand new. Mm. It's coming for you on Monday as well. So that's kind of exciting, right? But just, as just a bit, just we a should bit. probably just say we should probably say socials have been set up and you can follow us on uh, at Broken Rec Pod. Uh, whether that be on Instagram, Twitter. Or, is it Broken or, Rec or Broken Rex? It's Broken Rec, R-E-C. It's not as good, is it? But whatever. Fuck's sake, <laughs> mate. You were, you were part of the conversation. You didn't pipe up I then. <laughs> I mean... Doing it now, aren't I? Doing it in front of everyone. Well, <laughs> well no, don't... Right. All right, cut that out then. I was only joking. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Broken Rec. Yeah, go and follow us on the uh, the new Twitter page and the new Instagram page and the, I guess the new, all the new socials. Um, and Broken Records is, is back. We'll be doing it weekly, so that's quite exciting. Um, but as for us, we'll be back, as I said, with Devil Soul to Soul and definitely not London Grammar next week. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We, we will see. <laughs> <laughs>